The mouth has always been an organ under siege, at least contemporaneously. Our smiles and our teeth have become one of the most notable characteristics of visual facial identity as markers of a profound and diverse range of expressions. Along with this significance, however, comes scrutiny both physical and connotative. Hi, I'm Catherine Fu, and look at the time. It's 2.30. Today on Made With, let's talk the tooth talk. For the majority of our collective consciousness, we've been altering and attacking our mouths in some form, predating the development of agrarian societies. Tooth decay actually bothered fairly few. In those days, the mouth could be seen as an organ constantly at battle rather than under attack. The mouth served as a barrier and as a nourisher, tasked with the careful work of parsing through food sources to find one not hard enough to hurt, not poisonous enough to kill, not meager enough to starve. With the advent of farming and subsequently unfamiliar diets, oral and specifically tooth damage became more frequent. Thus came the dawn of dentistry and with it a physical attack on the mouth, intent on reforming and reshaping its entire structure. In the early 18th century, French surgeon Pierre Fauchard, dubbed as the father of modern dentistry, pioneered techniques to fill cavities, create oral prostheses, and introduced the notion of the dental brace. Despite its remedial intentions, dentistry is nonetheless brutal in its practice, rotting teeth pulled to leave abscessing vacuums, metal and foreign bone placed in tender gums, teeth forced into unnatural alignment. Cosmetic dentistry followed its medical predecessor in quick succession. Dentist Newell Sill Jenkins developed porcelain enamel for crowns and bridges a century later, ushering in the notion of dentistry as an aesthetic redesign. Certainly, whiter, straighter teeth could improve comfort and function, but far more important than that, it was proof of status. Handworker and Wolf note in Where Bad Teeth Come From, Cultural and Casual Force, that bad teeth is a cosmetic, not a disease category. The increasing inaccessibility and cost of dental care meant that those who needed dental work could not obtain it, whilst those on the other end of need received extravagant aesthetic modifications. Displayed so prominently on the face, teeth became an easy identifier for others to read one's supposed character. Like my fixation on the mouth is based in my parents' fixation. Mm. Like I guess tying it back to domination, but in a way that is more like domination in terms of like assimilation. Here I'm talking to a dear friend and fellow peer at RISD, Reg, but I'll let them introduce themselves. Well, I'm Reg. Um, I study sculpture sometimes. Uh, Lately I've been making a lot of grills and like casting and archiving people's mouths, like specifically BIPOC and queer individuals, just because I think that it's a funny facet to have of an archive of things. Um, and I'm also just like obsessed with documentation and casting, so I've been doing a lot of work around that and a lot around my parents' mouths. Um, 
just how their mouth makes me feel about my mouth. So um, it's a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't know. Like I, I'm thinking a lot about like, I, I don't know. I feel like it, it kind of just started with like seeing my parents like dentures like mm -hmm. on the kitchen counter and like mm -hmm. by the kitchen sink like that's where they would brush their teeth and stuff but i don't know i i feel like i was always just like fascinated by how that looked and then like I, like growing up it was just like they were really fixated on my mouth like yeah. it was like a very like it was like just like a site of insecurity for me because it was like for them that was like the focal point of perfection like they would even like pivot it into like like who would want to marry you if you have like bad teeth mm. and honestly in turn that made me like want them to rot even more mm. like i hated them like i hated my teeth like it was like oh my god i hate this thing that is just like tied to assimilation in this way that i'm like i don't know like the teeth become the medium for hating being american which yeah. <laughs> is like and like this idea of like perfection like i don't know i don't know how it ties into sexuality though I guess I I'm think just gonna like, care about the mouth as like a secret room. I think the tie is also kind of in the marriage aspect, mm. especially for like daughters, quote unquote, of immigrant families. There's kind of a lot of talk about almost being sellable or marketable mm. because I think like my parents definitely cared a lot about stability. Mm. And I think marriage is one of those points where they think you will get the most stability from. Yeah. Because they're assuming like, oh, you marry a good man with good money, and then you get a good house and you're set for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so then, like what you were saying, like, no one's going to want to marry someone with bad teeth. Like, your teeth and your appearance, by extension, are like points of desirability. For femme individuals, the mouth holds incredible weight, not only in the prospect of marriage, but as a measure of worth. In 1885, neurologist Sigmund Freud began developing his theories of psychoanalysis that linked physical pathologies to the psyche. He identified five stages of psychosexual development, the first of which being the oral stage. During the oral stage, an under or overfed child would fail to consolidate their emotional and physical needs, leading to, quote-unquote, maladaptive oral fixations. Freud positions the mouth as... Freud positions the mouth... Freud positions the mouth as the first zone upon which a child's entire development depends. The mouth receives a psychosexual connotation, implying that perceived aberrations of the self stems from its misuse, but the fault is the mouth's own. These kinds of extrapolations are reminiscent of distinct yet paralleling critiques that Reg voiced about not only the physical appearance of the mouth, but also its implications. Rotting or crooked teeth meaning mouthiness, an inappropriate wife, an inappropriate life. And so I sometimes wonder if there is a way to ever have a clean mouth. I guess the better way to put it is a free mouth, free of emotional burden, physical pain, and social stigma. Reg explores the two sides of the spectrum in their work, with the aforementioned grills occupying not only a defiant and decorative practice, but one that essentially chooses to overlay and replace an individual's own meaning above the given. For context, 
Girls are dental jewelry pieces worn over the teeth, typically made with precious metals and stones. They are molded for each specific individual's mouth. Grills grew in popularity from New York's 1980s hip-hop scene and remain a staple in the industry and culture today. A crucial aspect of grill making is the process of casting the individual's mouth itself. No, yeah, also something I really like about casting people's mouths is that it's like the material, like plaster or something, or like dentist cast in stone just because it's more accurate, but it's like the stone is a very like solid blue color mm -hmm. and it, I, I like how just like flattening it is, you know, yeah. like you're not so fixated on like, oh my god, I have a cavity or it's like yellow, like it's like, it, it is purely just the form of your mouth. Mm -hmm. And I, I like that too. And I, I think like the flattening can almost be nice in a sense because I feel like otherwise it, there's so much implication in like seeing an x-ray of your mouth or seeing mm -hmm. a diagram with like little arrows pointing to different spots or even just like, you know, a photo of it. Yeah, and, and I like too that it's like, I'm not really a medical, well, I'm not a medical professional. Like it's like when I'm casting somebody's mouth, it's not medicalized. Yeah. It's just like for fun, <laughs> like, yeah. Reg lets the form speak for itself. Even after the grill is made, there's no alteration to the mouth or the tooth. Grills are additive and celebratory. The pieces are ornamental to the wearer's identity without reshaping the inherent structures underneath. The teeth are allowed to just be. Artist Janine and Tony, who also happens to be a RISD sculpture alumna, too uses teeth to investigate the work and the harm done to the body through the mouth without disrupting or transforming the organ itself. Her art statement describes her body of work as articulating her relationship to the world, giving rise to emotional states that are felt in and through the senses. And each piece, no matter the medium or image, a conveyed physicality is meant to speak directly to the viewer's body. And Tony focuses on process and performance to demonstrate the relationship between the intimate self and the outer world. She's perhaps best known for her earlier work in the late 90s to early 2000s, in which she utilized her own body as a tool in which she navigated an altered material. One of these pieces, 1992's Gnaw, features, among other edible and eaten items, two blocks of 600 pound lard and chocolate. And Tony, well, gnawed at the cubes of lard and chocolate, leaving gaping chunks of missing matter and the stark evidence of her teeth. There is a clear and intended feminist reading of Na regarding the feminine body and its literal and visual consumption. I, however, became enthralled by the markings left on the cubes, specifically the chocolate by her teeth. Each gouge, while still maintaining the smaller ridge marks of our individual canines and so on, coalesced together to form impressive excavations on the cubes. Na showed an open air inside the museum space. Over time and warmer temperatures, chocolate undergoes a process called blooming, in which the fat rises to the surface of it and presents as white spotting. And Tony's teeth marks therefore look not only starker in contrast, but seem aged, even historical. The remainder of the original blocks memorialize her unique teeth. 
I see the labor done in gnaw as a reversal of the attacks and alterations done to our mouths. The marks, demanding and powerful, are a testament to the uninhibited ability of teeth in its original form. I see a certain parallel between Vegas' casting process and Antoni's bodily work as both honoring our given selves. As opposed to her other notable piece, Licking Lather, Biting provides documentation that Licking cannot. I can imagine Antoni bringing her mouth back to gnaw and fitting the curvature of her front teeth into one of the long carving scores. This notion of the mark of the tooth, and its inverse of one marking the tooth, brings to mind a folkloric origin story of cavities. One prevalent theory at that time, found in texts from the Egyptian to the Quiche to the French, was the toothworm. In one Babylonian myth, after the hierarchy of creation, the worm had only been given a fig and an apricot for food. Unsatisfied, the worm chose to instead suck the blood of the tooth and gnaw the root of the gum, thus earning the moniker Toothworm. Here again we see the theme of teeth as victims of invasion, but not without reason. This myth presents teeth as desirable in a way not linked to sex or marriage or class, but as containing some value more visceral than ripe fruit worth seeking. The modern treatment of teeth ranging from medical to institutional to social, has seemingly condemned them to a fate of tedious upkeep and external appearance. But we must not lose our teeth in the mire of meaning. One of our only externally visible organs, our teeth from birth are uniquely ours. As we grow in age, our teeth do as well, passing through cyclical patterns of attack and redemption, connected as profoundly to changes of the body as of the self. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you want to read more teeth-related writings, I recommend Why Are Artists So Fascinated With Teeth by Henry Hitchings and Slip of the Teeth by Beatrice E. Belanta, Rachel L. Price, and Irene V. Small. And here's an additional fun fact. Freud died of cancer of the jaw. Rather ironic for a man so focused on the mouth. Bye now.